0: Good morning. I want to say welcome home to our teens who've been on a mission trip to Michigan and all the the crew who led them, parents, interns, youth ministers. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, saw great pictures, and I look forward to uh, more details about that that trip. It's my joy to begin this morning introducing some folks who want to make West 7th their church home. I want to begin with Jennifer Fleming. Jennifer, you mind standing where you are? She's seated toward the back. We've got her picture and her son on, on the screen if you want to just see there. Some of you already know Jennifer because she owns and operates Learning Minds, uh, Inspiring Minds Learning Center. Uh, She was telling me after teaching uh, school for many years, uh, this opportunity basically just came upon her and now provides a much-needed service for a lot of families with young children. I was reading on the website, uh, she didn't tell me this, but I was reading, she's a certified academic language therapist a structured literacy dyslexia specialist. I can't even say these things, much less understand what they mean, but what we know is uh, she does a great job of helping uh, some of our young uh, students Uh, in a very critical time Uh, but she'd rather talk about her family Uh, her mom and dad jimmy and carol fan her daughter tessa is married lives in Summertown, and her son andrew he's in the picture as well he's a student at tennessee tech so get to know jennifer help her to feel at home and introduce yourself to her and also i want to introduce chris and courtney loftus and their family they are in the balcony where where are you guys well there we are And we've got their their picture as well. A little bit about them. Uh, Chris grew up in uh, Nashville. Courtney grew up in Memphis. They met at Harding University in inorganic chemistry. (laughs) Doesn't that sound romantic? They moved to Memphis where uh, she went to pharmacy school, he went to medical school. Uh, then residency in Columbia, Missouri, and more training in Houston, and He you sharing, uh, sharing with me. And then they moved here to join the uh, Middle Tennessee Bone and Joint Group. You ever heard of them? Anybody know about that group? Uh, but look at that picture of these children. Uh, Maggie just turned five. She'll begin junior kindergarten in the fall. Bowen is almost three. That name sounds familiar. There's a story there, and I'm sure he'd love to tell you. And then Sadie is two months old. Uh, So welcome to the Loftus family as well. I also need to share a little reminder. Tennessee Children's Home coin boxes are due. So if you've been collecting money or you need to grab a box and take the money that you've been collecting, or as Bill also would say, you can write a check. Uh, those are due the end of this month, so that is coming up. I also want to share this. Our Wednesday night, we have a night of prayer. A little, little bit of backstory on that. Uh, for a number of years, we would take the whole month of August and focus on Wednesday nights on prayer. We had an August prayer month. We did that for a number of years, and then for the next few years, we invited guest speakers. This summer, we're having our Wednesday classes as usual, with the exception of one Wednesday a month, one night a month. The last week of each month, we're going to have a special night of prayer, and this coming Wednesday is going to be the first one. Childrens and teens will have classes as usual. All the adults will meet here in the auditorium. Uh, So parents of little ones just drop your kids off and then make your way in here We're going to have several men to lead special prayer. We'll have sing song uh, sing some songs together about prayer Uh, We'll also begin a prayer list Uh, And again some of you will remember this from years gone by where on that last prayer night We will spend time just praying over the many requests. It could be about your family. It could be an issue at work It could be someone whom is on your prayer list who needs salvation maybe someone who's left the Lord we want to pray for them whatever is on your heart we want to do that so I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday at six thirty. but even if you can't if you work and you're not able to get home by then that's okay you can still participate we'll share more about how to uh, share those requests in the weeks to come and then tonight is a block party have you heard about that Uh, We've got a block party coming, and uh, last I heard, well over 100 people have signed up to volunteer to help, which is fantastic. So thank you for that. I was looking at the weather, and it looked like these huge storms were coming through right in the evening. And then I looked this morning, and y'all truly, Weather Channel said it's 6 and 7, sunny. Any of you notice that? And the storms won't come until night, so it'll be hot, but uh, the weather is in our favor, so uh, pray about that. I think about that, and I was remembering last year, many of us met the the Loray family at our block party, and now they're one of us. So who knows how God will work in this effort, so pray about that. This morning, we're going to continue our series on one another, and we're talking about showing hospitality I'm really glad you're here today because when we were planning the summer calendar and even thinking about even the Sunday nights, you may have noticed in July there were three Sunday nights where it just said um, uh, hospitality. July 2nd, July 16th, and July 30th. More details to come. And in part of that planning, I was asked to present a special message on hospitality It's one of the one another commandments, so it kind of dovetails with our focus this summer. So let's begin with this. What is hospitality? We read that in our Bibles. We know we're familiar with that term, but what is hospitality? Really, the better question is, what is meant by the Bible term hospitality? Because meanings change, and there's different nuances. When you think of hospitality, is that what Scripture is talking about? Because some of you, when you think of hospitality, maybe what you think of is an immaculate, Pinterest-worthy house. Or maybe you think of hospitality as you got to have a chef's kitchen. Or maybe your mother has to be Martha Stewart and your sister has to be Joanna Gaines and it's in the jeans. Is that what you think? Or maybe you think your spouse has to have been voted Mr. or Miss Congeniality when they were in school. Or maybe you think you have to have a spouse to be able to show hospitality your kids have to get along beautifully play quietly for hours almost as if you don't even have children and if you don't meet any of those absurd criteria then you're exempt you're exempt from this command you read about hospitality that's not me I don't have that kitchen. That's not me. I'm not married. That's not me. Have you met my kids? That's not me. Whatever it is, and we may think we're exempt, but that is not true. Hospitality is not about being an extrovert, especially if you're not one. Hospitality is not about being a caterer wannabe with a long farmhouse table where everything is picture perfect. Hospitality is more than an industry. It's not a restaurant, it's not a hotel, it's not a venue providing a service for a fee. Philip Young Jr. spoke here on the topic of hospitality a few years ago, and I went back and and I listened to his lesson, and I was so tempted to say, Philip, would you just get up and do that lesson again? But I thought, nah, that might be taking the easy route. But it, it is a great message. In fact, I encourage you, I might even send you the link this week for you to hear his message. It was truly fantastic. But if you're taking notes, I have put this on the screen, it's on your outline as well. The Greek word that is translated in our Bible's hospitality is two words, actually, it's a compound word, philo xenos, and it literally means love strangers, to love strangers. But hospitality means really the way it's intended and the way it's described in scripture is to act in a loving way toward those you don't know or those you don't know well. That's what hospitality means. And think about this, when God was bringing his people out of Egyptian bondage, they had been so immersed in a pagan culture, they had to be taught who he is and, and, and the kind of people he wanted them to be. And so, so many of the commands, is talking about how to live with each other, how to live together. But he also told them, and he was very direct about how to treat others, even the strangers. Look at the screen of Leviticus 19, verse 33 and 34. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you should do him—you not do him wrong. Now, let me talk about that for a moment. I don't know if you realize this, but when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, it, it was not just the Hebrews that left. There were a number of others who went with them. Now we might read over that when you're when you're reading through the, the text, but that's what the Bible tells us there. So he then goes on to say, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you are strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Did you get that? You hear what he's saying here? You treat an outsider, the stranger, as if he's one of you, like he's family, like he belongs. Why? Because they'd been a stranger. They'd been a foreigner in Egypt. They knew what it was like and should remember what it's like to be a foreigner in a strange land. Ever been new to a town, to a job, to a school, to a church? And you remember that feeling when you're new and and you feel like the stranger? And then that one person steps up and does what is needed. You know, at work, they'll say, hey, welcome, you're going to love it here. Or, Or maybe it's at school, hey, I haven't met you yet, what grade are you in? Or maybe it's at church, hey, sit by us, we'll scoot over and make room. Some of you remember David and Judy Hall. They were a dear part of this family for a while. He served as a deacon, just, just love David and Judy and their children. But he took a job for Harding University, and he had to begin the job in January. And so Judy and the kids stayed behind to finish out the school year, and he was telling me about that. He said to be away from his family, because he was a family man, and that was hard for him, But they decided that was the best in that situation. He said, but you know, with a new job, he said, there were so many demands. He said, I worked 10, 12, 14 hours a day. I'd go home exhausted. And he said, you know when it was hard? The most difficult time was at church on Sunday morning. To walk in and to be new, to be the stranger all by myself. He said, I never felt more alone. Some of you know exactly what he's talking about there. Now understand from Leviticus, there's another reason for God's people to be hospitable. And it's right there in the text. Look at that last sentence. I am the Lord your God. He said, you want to know how to treat strangers, people you don't know? You treat them as if they're family. Why? Because I'm God. And if you're my people, then that's how you should respond. If you belong to him, that's what you do, period. To be hospitable is what God expects of his people. But we don't just read about this after these these 400 years of bondage. It was like, oh, here's a new idea. Early on in the book of Genesis, we get a wonderful example of how this plays out. Genesis chapter 18, three men came to Abraham's tent. Abraham invites them in, prepares a lavish spread of food and water. And you might remember, if you keep reading, in fact, I encourage you to go back and read It's an amazing story and interchange here because one is the Lord himself. And he's there telling Abraham about the plan to destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And then verse 22, the the, the men turned towards Sodom, and the Lord and Abraham talked. And you remember that conversation. That's when Abraham and and, and God were going back and forth about how many righteous people would have to be found there to to save them. And then during that conversation, Genesis 19 opens by saying these other two were angels. I want to read through that. Remember now, Genesis 18 opens simply saying three men... Came to Abraham. Did Abraham know who they were? The text doesn't say. The text identifies them as three men. Abraham standing in the door of his tent, he sees three men. That's what Abraham saw, and that's what Abraham responded to. And get this Abraham did not have a palace, Abraham did not have a house, Abraham was living in a tent. In a tent, it would be so easy to say, you know, my accommodations are not much. He didn't even go there. That did not keep him from showing hospitality. That did not stop him from generously sharing what he did have. So please don't fall prey to thinking, well, that was then, and this is now. God doesn't work like that. Some of you are ahead of me. You're already thinking about Hebrews 13, verse 2 where the writer says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. God is still at work. Someone told me they cannot read that verse without thinking of someone in their family intentionally misreading the verse to say they entertain angels in their underwear. That's not the first time you've heard that, is it? And it's not far from the truth. Hopefully not in your underwear, but the idea that you didn't know. You don't know that they're there. Well, why is hospitality commanded? Why is it needed for God's people? Let me be blunt. Because we need to hear this. Because we're selfish. Because we're selfish. I am. You are. We can all be guilty of this. Think about coming to worship on a Sunday morning. We tend to speak to people that that we know. We gravitate to the people that are easy to talk to, that we feel at ease, that we're comfortable with. So we look for those that we already know well. How you doing? Good to see you. And we sit with people that we already know. Not bad. That's not bad. That's not wrong. But it's self-centered it's selfish when we do that. And again, we all do it. To show hospitality, get this, is the opposite of this. It's the opposite of selfish. It's to act in a loving way toward those you don't know well or don't know very well. When I was at the Landmark Church in Montgomery, I knew of a group of guys who were the best of friends. They were in their 20s and 30s. Some of them married, some of them not. They would meet weekly to pray together. Routinely, they were together. They're, 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 if they were married, they were all friends together. But at church, these same guys almost never spoke to each other. They didn't sit together. You wouldn't even know their friends if you just watched them at a church gathering because they had committed that when they were at church, some kind of church gathering, it was not about them selfishly being a friend, sitting together, talking together, being in class together. They were there to reach out to other people. So you might not even know that they were friends at all. Their friendships were strong, and they kept their friendships going, but they didn't do that at church time because they were doing this very thing. They were being hospitable. Folks, these are 20- and 30-year-olds who had made that commitment. It's not just something who are older or people with big homes. Anybody can do this very thing. I witnessed them modeling Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. That's what they were doing. When they came to church, it was not about them and not about their friends and who they knew. It was about they were they they had an eye out. They were looking for who doesn't have somebody to sit with, who's new, who do I need to be a friend to? That's hospitality. That's acting in a loving way toward those you don't know as well. Now it doesn't have to be either. Or, but here's the point, without deliberately choosing to be hospitable, you won't. Think about that. Without deliberately choosing to be hospitable, it's not going to happen naturally. Because naturally, subconsciously, we just gravitate to the people we know, that we gravitate to the people that we feel comfortable with. We all do that. And this needs to be said too. There are times, there are times, even seasons, where maybe for you, being hospitable, you're just not there. Because you, you life just happened to you that week. And for you, you need to come and for your cup to be filled. Maybe you're in a season of life where you're in pain you're hurting and you're in a time of healing so you're the one who needs that extra encouragement and coming to church you need people to pour into you you're the one who's weak but folks that should not be our continual stance we shouldn't stay that way to be a taker and not a giver if you're new to the faith if you're immature if you're hurting going through a crisis that's understandable if you're in a season of spiritual trials, then you're going to need to focus on yourself because you need healing. You need time just for your strength and your faith to be renewed. But if you've been a Christian for years, for decades even, it's time to stop letting yourself focus on yourself and to truly be hospitable. The writer of Hebrews challenged the Christians earlier you might remember this he called them babes basically saying you need to grow up and then he adds this about how you need to show hospitality to consider how to stir one another up to love and good works well let's talk about the challenge of showing hospitality showing hospitality is something a child of good really should do all the time at school at work in your neighborhood in your life and even at church especially at church Remember when Jesus was given a picture of what it was going to be like when he returns as king of kings with his angels, sitting on his throne, and he talks to you about the times where you were not selfish, the times when you were the one giving, you were the one serving, you were the one doing. You chose to share your food, you chose to share your home, you chose to visit the sick, even those in prison. Look on the screen in Matthew 25, verse 40. The king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Don't we want Jesus to be able to say that about us? You know, given the qualifying traits of shepherds who serve as elders of our church, both lists of scriptures in, in Timothy and Titus, both mention the word hospitable. That's not by accident. Because that's what we expect of our leaders, and I share that because there may be a tendency to excuse ourselves from this command. It's, it amazes me. Again, I do it; you do it too. Where we'll read in scripture of a command, but we'll think, "Well, that doesn't apply to me." I wonder if there's some, especially men, who think of hospitality as a woman's role. That, that's that's women are better at that. So we'll let the women do that. Maybe in their minds, they equate hospitality with cooking and and, and the keeping of the home. But that thinking does not come from Scripture. That's not what hospitality is about at all. In fact, if that's where you're going with your thinking, you've missed the point. That's not what God commands. That, That thinking is way too narrow. Look at 1 Peter 4, verse 8 and 9. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sins. We know that's true, don't we? We know that's true, and we love that. And then verse 9, show hospitality to one another. Now notice, Peter here is not given the qualification for elders. He's not talking only to a group of women. In fact, the command is for every one of us, men and women, young and old, married and single. There are no qualifiers here. There are no exceptions I can find to Scripture When we are to show hospitality, all of us have an ability to do that. All of us have plenty of opportunities to do that. Actually, we need to see the whole verse. Look at the screen, 1 Peter 4, verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why did God have to put that in there? But isn't that just like God He says, not only should you do the right thing, you need to do it with the right heart. But that's who God is. He wants you to do the right thing, and he wants you to have the right thinking, the right attitude about it. Just like in giving, it's more than making a donation, writing a check, authorizing the debit. Scripture tells us God loves a cheerful giver. Yes, we're commanded to be generous. But equally, it's the heart, the thinking, the attitude that goes with it. It's more than an action. The same with hospitality. It's more than putting yourself out and scooting over and and, and smiling when you don't feel like it to somebody you don't know. It's thinking ahead of time, like, God, give me your spirit. Give me your eyes. Help me to see like you see. And to extend love to a stranger. And to feel good about it, to have that right attitude. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus told when he was asked, What's the greatest command? And part of that he shared, Love your neighbors yourself, launched into the story. Do you remember the basic message of the Good Samaritan? Is you love whomever it is God puts in your path. Wherever you are, whoever they are, with whatever you've got. In that moment, you be hospitable. That's what he's talking about here. Here's the point. Hospitality is not an option. If you're a child of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is not an option. I am the Lord your God. Remember that sentence he shared? He would do that from time to time as he was giving his commands to his people. So let's talk about the challenge for the month of July. Mark these dates, July 2nd, July 16th, and July 30th. On these three dates, what I want you to notice, we'll have morning worship, we'll have morning Bible classes as usual, but there's nothing planned in the afternoon or evening. The calendar is empty. And what you're going to see on there is hospitality. No small groups meeting, there's no home devotional, there's no connect night that, that month. It'll just say hospitality. The challenge, here's the challenge, Is for you, every one of us, to show hospitality. Think about it on those dates. Now, the actual goal is to show hospitality all the time. Every day. At church, at school, at work, wherever we are. But as a church, we're having this focused effort for all of us to show hospitality. Well, What does that look like? What do I have to do? If I'm going to be a part of this, if I'm going to accept the challenge, what does that look like? I would say it looks like whatever you want it to look like. In fact, you find that in scripture all the time, where we're given a command, but we're not necessarily told how to do it. But that could be the beauty of this. Use your gifts, use your talents, use your resources, and be hospitable. But here's a suggestion. Find someone you don't know well, or would like to know better, and show hospitality. If it's easier for you, maybe pair up with somebody you do know well, and do it together. You know that that can be of help as well. Maybe you could take someone to lunch after Bible classes. If you're married, don't want to do it alone. Maybe get with another single friend. You could invite some others. If you're married, don't just invite married couples. Reach out to those who are single. Invite somebody to go to a lunch to a restaurant in your house, whatever works for you. Again, it's not about food. It's not about showcasing your house. That's where you spend your money, I mean, your energy and money, but if that's where you spend your energy, you're really missing the point. You'll likely end up grumbling and complaining, as Peter was warning us about. You're going to be free that evening. So maybe just find some way to connect. Maybe take someone out to a restaurant that evening, or maybe have them in your home. Take them out to coffee. If they've got little kids, maybe meet and go have ice cream. I mean, you can do a lot of different things. You know, a lot of us eat a really big meal Sunday lunch. You know, that's kind of part of our culture. That may not be you. A lot of folks eat big on Sunday. You know what that means? That means if you get together with someone that night, you don't have to do that. You can kind of go light, and that's okay. They probably need that. I was thinking about that, and I finally remember the time Andy Lenora Hunter invited seeing me over for what Lenora repeatedly said, a Sunday evening snack. And she would say that, it's just going to be a Sunday evening snack. And you can just hear Lenora saying that, you know. And I think she's trying to help us know, don't expect a big spread. It was just a Sunday evening snack. I remember her saying that, but I have no memory of what we ate. I don't remember at all. What I do remember is we didn't take a tour of the home and admire their house or their things at all. What I do remember is how Andy and Lenora made me feel loved. We had a Sunday evening snack. But more than that, they fed our souls. That's what we're talking about here. I mentioned Philip Young earlier. Soon after we moved here, Philip came to our house for a meal. I don't think I've told you all this, but the Young family and the Owens family, we go back to actually our Montgomery days, the uh, The Youngs moved there. I think Philip was a senior in high school and Carrie was just starting high school. And so we, you know, became friends then. Sherry worked in the church office for a while. So when we moved here, Philip was the only Young at that time, he and his family here in Columbia. So we had him over some others. Brandy, the boys must have been out of town because it was just, just Philip. I don't remember what we served, but I do remember that all Philip would eat was our salad. We did not know that he couldn't eat gluten. Philip does a really good job of, of, you know, taking care of his celiac disease. So he only ate salad. And to his credit, his credit, it was still a great visit. Now, I understand dietary limitations. I'm a type 1 diabetic. I have those too. We talked about that. So sometime later, Philip and Brandy returned the favor and they invited us over for ice cream. I'm just kidding. They did (laughs) What I'm saying is don't let food challenges or issues or limitations limit you. You're not going to know everything. you know. And, and if that's you, if that's some limitation on your end, eat a snack before you go. Or eat a snack after you get home. It's not about the food. It's not about sorting all of your closets in case someone looks. It's not about that at all. Here's where it can get fun, if you will allow. There's three Sundays, although you can do more. I want to encourage you to make a list. If you're looking at the outline, you see there's a box there. Be thinking about names, people that you would like to connect with in some way, and challenge yourself to go beyond your usual circle. Folks, it seems like at least once a month, sometimes twice a month, sometimes two every Sunday, we're introducing someone new. There's a lot of new folks that you don't know yet. There may be some folks who've been here for a long time that you don't know yet. There are so many people. If you're married, don't only invite married couples. Same for singles. Don't invite only people your age. Even have a mixed group in that end. Now, I want to share this too. If the month ends, we get to the end of July, and you think no one invited me all month. No one invited me you missed it. You totally missed it. That's selfish thinking. You go into this thinking, whom could I invite? How many of the people that you invite are able to come or to connect or go with me when we go to lunch or whatever it is that you're going to do? That's the point of hospitality. The goal is to see whom you can show hospitality. Remember, uh, last message i shared i gave that illustration of the little boy who was being left out and he wanted to make valentines for every single student and 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 when he came home he said i didn't miss a single one that's what we're talking about here i want you at the end of the month to look back with gratitude and say you were able to show hospitality and think about the connections you made or or the relationships that you strengthened. In fact, you could do this every week in July. You could do this every week, as much as you like. But I want to challenge you, at least try one. Maybe do it early on, because then maybe you do it again. Or, Or do all three. Who needs encouragement? Every single one of us. We all need encouragement. Who would you like to get to know better? Maybe it should begin with a prayer. Lord, open my eyes. Open my heart. Let me open my home. Lord, whom will you bless through me? How will you show hospitality to one another? She came in this morning. You may have seen a sign like that on the door just to remind us for the month of July. Who will you show hospitality? How will you show hospitality to one another this month? Let's pray. Lord, as we study through these passages about one another, we are so encouraged and yet we're challenged. As Jesus told us, I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that we belong to you. Father, Peter commanded us to show hospitality without grumbling. God, sometimes we're good at hospitality, but the grumbling part is hard. Father, help us to have a heart like yours. Help us to be able to be friends with our friends and encourage those we know and love. And at the same time, not to be a clique, not to be blind, but to realize there's someone you're putting in our path, someone that we can love, that we can act in a loving way toward, even if we don't know them or don't know them very well. Father, we want to be your people. And we know if we're your people, then we need to be like you. And this command is who you are. Because you act in a loving way, even when we're estranged. Thank you for Jesus and his incredible grace. It's through him we pray. Amen. Think about that. At the core of hospitality, that's God. He was thinking of you when you were far away in your own sin. And he gave his life, as Wade was mentioning in his prayer a few moments ago, the amazing sacrifice that God loved us so much when we were far, far away, he allowed us an opportunity to come home to be a part of his family. This morning, we're going to sing a song to encourage you, to name the name of Jesus, to confess your faith in him as Lord. Let your sins be washed away in baptism. Let him give you a new life, his Holy Spirit. And if we can pray for you and encourage you in any way, we want to be a family who does just that. Once not you come as we stand and sing to encourage